Coming up on Philosophy Talk. The board of directors of the Security Bank of Manhattan has chosen you as the architect for our new building. My congratulations, Mr. Lord. Can a building express a political viewpoint? Of course, we wouldn't alter your plans in any way. It's the brilliant ingenuity of your plans that sold us on the building. But its appearance is not of any known style. The public wouldn't like it. If you build your own home on your own plot of land, what's political about that? Now there's a touch of the new and a touch of the old. So it's sure to please everybody. The middle of the road. Why take chances when you can stay in the middle? How can we separate a building's aesthetics from its politics? A building has integrity, just like a man, and just as seldom. Can architecture be political? Architecture structures the way in which we live. Our guest is Vladimir Kulich from Iowa State University. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. What can architecture tell us about the politics of its makers? Does the shape of a prison express the opinions of the state? Can't a flying buttress just be a flying buttress? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you via the studios of KALW, San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today's episode is generously sponsored by the Stanford Global Studies Program. And we're asking, can architecture be political? Of course it can be political. It's always political. Think about all those monuments to fallen soldiers, or city hall buildings, or public housing. Politics is everywhere. Okay, it's sometimes political. But isn't it sometimes just, you know, pretty buildings? I don't know. Those pretty buildings didn't just pop out of the ground. Somebody built them. And so they express that person's values. Yeah, sure, they express values. But why do those values have to be political? Maybe it's a Frank Lloyd Wright, and it's communicating to us about the beauty of nature. What's political about that? I'll tell you what's political about that. It's that you got to own a Frank Lloyd Wright, which means that you've got a few bucks to throw around. And hey, maybe you want the passersby to admire you for living in your designer castle. Ah, uh, but that's not what the architecture is saying. You're just talking about the conditions that make it possible to buy a house like that in the first place. The politics isn't just about buying the house. It's about building the house. I mean, if there weren't any rich people out there to throw money around, there wouldn't be any Frank Lloyd Wrights. What are you talking about? It's easy to imagine a world where just everybody gets a nice house. You know, nature lovers get garden houses. Tech lovers get all the mod cons. People with a fear of heights get bungalows. In that world, there's nothing at all political about living in a Frank Lloyd Wright. Okay, sure, in that lovely world, but hey, Ray, come on, that's not the world we're living in. In our world, every architectural style makes a clear political statement. Oh uh, yeah, like what? Well, think of all that neoclassical architecture that imperialists love so much. Impressive columns, massive ceilings, huge steps from which the dear leader could deliver a speech down to the serried masses of the hoi polloi. Very different from a congressional debate chamber. Right? In a congressional debate chamber, everyone's literally on the same level. That's democracy, loud and clear. Wait, wait, Josh. You just said columns are imperialist, but think about those lovely ionic columns at the National Gallery in Washington, D.C. The designers of those columns chose them specifically to represent democratic values. They're supposed to remind us of ancient Athens. 
difference? Well, I didn't say that political meaning is always the same. It can change over time. But whether it's imperialism or democracy, buildings always represent some political value. Ugh, by that logic, everything is political. Birds, bananas, bottle caps. Is there nothing that isn't making a statement in your worldview? Well, I, maybe bottle caps, but not birds. Buildings aren't like birds. They're designed by people. They involve tons of money changing hands, and they sit in the same place for decades or centuries, taking up space. A single building can affect the lives of millions. Okay, that's true of a city hall or a sports stadium, but what about a little cottage at the end of a cul-de-sac? That's just a cute little place for someone to retire to and write the great American novel. It affects the lives of, what, maybe dozens? Okay, but what's your little cute cottage made of? Maybe it's full of lead paint and asbestos. Maybe it's made from wood taken from an old-growth forest. Maybe it's super energy inefficient and contributing to climate change. You can't escape, Ray. Politics is going to find you, even at the end of your cul-de-sac. Aw, it doesn't have to be like that. You can build your cottage out of sustainable materials, and, and you can build it well. And at that point, it's just a great place to live. End of story. So no, you have not convinced me that architecture is always political. Well, maybe our guest will convince you. It's Vladimir Kulich, professor of architecture at Iowa State University. And maybe our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, will help us think about what it really takes for architecture to express different political values, whether those values are love of authority or love of nature. She files this report. In recent years, Republicans in Congress have pushed to mandate a single style of architecture in Washington. High atop the Acropolis in Athens, Greece, stands one of the most magnificent and most aesthetically pleasing structures in the world, the Parthenon. Under a proposal called the Beautifying Federal Civic Architecture Act, architects who designed federal buildings would be asked to use principles from Greek and Roman antiquity. The design, the spacing of each stone is so perfect that it inspires just to look at. The proportions are so exact. For a large building, it is an amazing thing. And it lifts the spirit upward. In 2020, former President Donald Trump also drafted an executive order titled Making Federal Buildings Beautiful Again. He's not alone in his fondness for Greek and Roman architecture. The alt-right corners of the internet are all about seeing Spartan culture as the hallmark of Western civilization. I think, you know, when you get nostalgia, you start to get political ideologies in disguise. Hadass Steiner is a professor of architectural history and theory at SUNY Buffalo. She often asks her students whether they think architecture is political, and their responses tend to change with the times. But from her perspective... I think that architecture is inherently political because it engages with social, political, and cultural constructs. That's even true of deconstructivist architecture of the 1980s and 90s that promoted the absence of harmony or symmetry. But Steiner says architects can't hide from politics. Like the old adage, like to be apolitical is also to be political. And the deconstructionist movement was highly politicized in its desire for neutrality and to disassociate itself actually from more right-wing politics in deconstruction and literature. Architecture that expresses a set of political values doesn't have to be a bad thing. 
architecture that tries not to destroy the planet is good. You can find all sorts of examples of sustainable design, which is about reducing harm to the environment. Buildings made out of mud rather than steel or concrete. Places like Basel, Switzerland, where green spaces are mandatory on new buildings with flat roofs. A nonprofit in Norfolk, Virginia, deliberately built their headquarters on a floodplain that's expected to be submerged in the coming decades because of rising tides. 13 News Now, a local station, reported on that. Instead of trying to fight the floods, it'll welcome them, allowing for space to flow underneath. It'll have features like a special stormwater roof that'll collect and store rainwater to be reused in ways inside. It'll be able to sustain higher winds. Also, it's good for wildlife in the area. They're incorporated into the plan. The nonprofit has agreed to demolish the building and leave once the water takes over. SUNY Buffalo's Hadass Steiner says architects are paying attention to social movements and expanding the definition of architecture. If you can open up the the way we use the environments, right? Architecture to the, all the ways we use the environment and the new technologies that enable those things. I think we can see optimism for the future. Back at the U.S. Capitol, there's that push to go back to ancient Greek architecture. But another kind of movement is also underway. Washington appears to be rolling out clean energy rules adopted almost two decades ago. President George W. Bush had passed a law that included a mandate that new federal buildings be free of fossil fuels by 2030. So there's still time for the architects to get to work on that before the political tide turns again and we end up back in ancient Athens. How? were the ancient Greeks able to build something that looks so perfect. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.